Wake up, wake up, wake up, San Francisco, Bay Area. Welcome to 49ers Wake Up. Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger, cheers. Uh, we are in Hanukkah, so I'll say Lahaim. Uh, hopefully, everybody is having a really good morning. And if you're a 49er fan, why wouldn't you be? Larry, that's five in a row. That is now a 10-3 and record tied with the Cowboys and Eagles for the best record in the NFC. And guess who would be the one seed if the entire year ended today, which it does not which means we got plenty to talk about, but a whole bunch of chunk plays and a whole bunch of yards put up yesterday by the 49ers in a win over the Seahawks that might've been a little closer on the scoreboard than some imagined, but Larry, the 49ers were in control of that game throughout. Good morning to everybody. Good morning, Damon. Good morning, uh, audience. Lots of people fired up for the show. I was out at Levi's yesterday, pe people left and right talking about 49er wake up saying, I love that show that you do with Damon in the mornings. On Mondays, it's not just Mondays, it's Mondays, it's Fridays, it's any day after the 49ers play, and who knows, maybe tomorrow or soon, it will be every day. But Wouldn't that be an oh. amazing announcement to make in early <laughs> 2024? Oh, my goodness. By the way, Larry, since we're kind of patting each other on the back with all the compliments we got, I was at the Guardsman Tree Lot. A ton of people told me they are watching. They love this show. This is an oasis for Niner fans in a, in a desert full of that's not good enough. We're officially standing out. And let me just golf clap. Our first member of the 30,000 Club, Larry Kruger, 30,000 subscriptions. I love it, Larry. Absolutely oh, love it. Man, uh, you know, I feel like I'm the lead blocker here. You know, I'm the lead blocker <laughs> clearing the way. But, yeah, we, we crested the 30,000 Hill. The goal was to get there by the Super Bowl. We got there um, well before. Now we're headed towards 40,000. We're almost at 30,500. So, Thank you to everybody, all the audience members, because as Fitz used to say, without you guys, we are simply talking to ourselves. Um, but I just want to say, man, the 49ers this morning, as we're sitting here at 839 on the 11th of December of 2023, the road to the to Vegas and the Super Bowl officially goes through Levi Stadium and your 49ers are the Super Bowl favorite. Let that thing sink in. Everybody who's been waiting. In fact, everybody in there, any, anybody who's 25 years old or younger, who's a Niner fan, has never seen what I've seen, what you've seen, what others have seen, which is the Niners on top. Um, it may happen this year. The road to the 6th Lombardi right now goes through Levi Stadium, and your Niners are the favorite, and I can taste it. I can see us sitting there in Vegas. and. Uh, and it's what happened yesterday was amazing. The Niners get a win. The Cowboys beat the Eagles. Um, and it really sets up for the perfect scenario, Damon, because not only did the Niners um, pass the Eagles, the Bears, your your Bears as a kid beat beat the Detroit Lions at Cold Soldier Field. Um, and then because Geno sat out, He's probably going to play next week rested at home in Seattle against the Eagles. And now that game is a got to have a game for Seattle. So now Seattle's at home against an Eagle team that's reeling with a rested quarterback needing to win. And if the Seahawks can get that done next Sunday, the Niners could not even need to run the table. They could lose on Christmas to Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens and still be the number one seed in the NFC. So 
uh, as long as they ran the table in the other games. So um, great and incredible December 10th. And uh, we're happy to be here on December 11th to talk about it. Look, it was uh, it was a convincing win. It was a reaffirming win. It was a handle your business win. All at the same time, in a very business-like afternoon, there were some gaudy numbers put up all around by this offense. It was a bend-don't-break defense. When Chavarius Ward went out of the game, Larry, it really opened up a path to, as you and I discussed, you know, DK Metcalf has takeover a game ability. He didn't take over the game, though. As a matter of fact, he had even less production against backups than he did Chavarius Ward early on in that game. And it was, it just showed you that this team is getting better in its secondary. They're playing together as a unit. Um, and, and look, Drew Locke might've actually given the 49ers a little bit more to think about than Gino did back on Thanksgiving. Drew Locke played a damn good game for a guy thrown into that situation kind of last minute. Um, you got to tip your cap to the Seahawks. That's a good football team having a weird kind of year. And they're really good at making football games weird. And there was a little weird in this game too. But when it was said and done, you know, just the facts are where we like to begin each and every 49ers wake up, Larry. And the facts are that the 49ers have now swept the season series against the Seahawks in back-to-back seasons for the very first time in franchise history. As a matter of fact, they've won five consecutive games against the Seahawks, if you want to include the playoff wildcard game of last year. And in this current little run, the 49ers have now won five in a row And they have 11 consecutive regular season wins against NFC West opponents, which is the most consecutive division wins by any NFC West team since 2002. So the Niners really have risen to be the cream in the crop of their division. Um, And it's not, look, it's a division that might not be what it was just a, a couple of years ago, but you saw the Rams give the Baltimore Ravens an awful lot to think about in Baltimore yesterday. That game had to go to overtime. And I think you're right. The Seahawks are going to have a pair of brass knuckles waiting for an Eagles team that I'm not going to say has been exposed, Larry. But the 49ers basically showed the NFL how you can get off on that defense. And that's just finding mismatches in a linebacking crew and in a secondary that doesn't run as fast as a lot of NFL teams do. The Eagles are a little slow. They're a little slow defensively, especially right now. So. It is set up to be an incredibly interesting ending of this season for the 49ers, but they've got business coming up. Again, another NFC West opponent, an actual trap game. I didn't think the Seahawks were. The maybe trap game is laying for them, but I also think Larry Shanahan and company have just got it dialed in right now. They're not going to let another team's reputation affect the way they prepare for a football game, and that's coaching. It really is, and that's a team that's playing with an awful lot of confidence, and why wouldn't the 49ers be playing with a ton of confidence right now. It was an incredible uh, all-around offensive performance. You know, the the Niners spread the ball around to their weapons. McCaffrey had a big day. Debo looks like Debo, vintage Debo. Brandon Ayuk's having his career year. George Kittle had a touchdown in which he was held, um, you know, and then Brock Purdy. And then what can you say about Brock Purdy? He threw for a career-high 368 yards, another strong performance, cementing his case as the MVP of the NFL, I mean, really very impressive. I totally agree with your assessment, by the way, 
of Drew Locke. He completed 71% of his passes. He made some amazing throws. Guy's got a really good arm. But just two things that really stood out on offense. One, man, the Niners have, once again, vintage Debo Samuel. The same Debo, Damon, that we saw uh, two years ago in 2021. He was incredible that year. He had 77 catches, over 1,400 yards. He was an all-pro wide receiver. Wasn't great in 2022. Came into camp out of shape um, and didn't play as well. Uh, you know, had an off-season contract dispute, the whole deal. Um, this year, he showed up in camp in incredible shape. And over the past four weeks, 63 yards, 79 yards, 116 yards, 149 yards, uh, and recording six touchdowns over that that same stretch. So he, you're looking at vintage Debo. And then Brock Purdy did not have a great start um, to the game yesterday. He started three for six for 44 yards and a pick. And he didn't look all that comfortable. And then suddenly they're down 10-7, Damon. And Purdy then from that point on completed 76% of his passes for 322 yards and two touchdowns, impressive movement in the pocket and deep throws to Debo and Ayuk. Um, and just the ball placement with Purdy was outstanding all, all game. On offense, Damon, Debo and Purdy really, to me, stood out. They did. Trent Williams stood out in this game to me, too, and we'll get yeah. to him a little bit later. But to just focus on Brock's afternoon, again, 70.4 percent completion percentage it's his seventh straight game with a completion percentage of 70 or better which is the longest streak of games by any niner quarterback since joe montana in 1989 he's also just the fourth quarterback in nfl history to register a completion percentage of 70 or higher in seven consecutive games that's joe drew Brees and sam bradford at the peak of his bonus baby prowess um Bird, uh, Purdy now has 12 games in his first two seasons with a passer rating of 110 or more, which ties Hall of Fame Miami Dolphins quarterback Dan Marino for the third most such games in a player's first two seasons in NFL history. So Purdy is going bonkers out there. And what's really, I think, impressive, I wouldn't even call it a great day for Brock. It was just a day for Brock where he was getting aggressive. He hit a few big, deep throws. But it was, you know, when we talk about the great games that he's played this year, I don't even know if I'm going to bring up the Seattle game. He played really well, but it wasn't one of those like, oh, my God, afternoons. It was a it was a day of feast or famine. And he spent most of his day feasting on some big chunk plays. And so did McCaffrey. Um, but it wasn't one of those like I wasn't as I was watching the game. I thought, yeah, he's playing well. But it wasn't until the box score opened up where I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't realize he was playing that well this afternoon. So. When you can almost make it look easy in real time, that's when you enter the conversation of you're a very special player. The special players in this league make it look easy. And it's just really coming easy for Brock. And considering where he is in his career, not even through his second full season, it's incredible, Larry. I mean, he is taken to this league in a way that really, in my lifetime, it's a small handful of guys. And it's rare that they're quarterbacks. You know, you see a corner step into the NFL and just be a badass. You see a running back step into the NFL. Sometimes a wide receiver does it. Um, an offensive or defensive lineman will do it every now and then. But to be a quarterback that looks like a polished, finished product so early 
in a career beyond forget about the starting point. Like if Brock Purdy had been the number one overall pick in the draft, he's still playing above that expectations. I mean, it's the truth. If he's been the number one overall, he is outperforming the expectations that would have come with that. Not only Larry, do the 49ers have their quarterback like for sure. Here's your quarterback folks. You were looking, you were looking, you were looking, you were turned the page. No matter what page you landed on, you'll always look for another page. You can stop looking for the next chapter. This is your quarterback. He's right here. And he's not just like a good middle of the pack, acceptable on game day, Jimmy Garoppolo, we can win with them, you know, type of quarterback. This guy's oh, one of the five best quarterbacks in football. There's nothing to debate there anymore. He's one of the five best quarterbacks in football. He's got the numbers. And oh, by the way, Brock Purdy wakes up this morning with the second most passing yards in the NFL. One of the rare categories that he was, you know, about seventh in when he's number one everywhere else. Uh, so today he is second in the NFL in passing. <laughs> this one, this chat makes me laugh. Steven Saunders. Larry told Colton McKivitz it's bird hunting season, and he took that personally. <laughs> yeah, the Niners have gone incredible and gone gotten hot in this bird crazy uh, run they've got. Um, you know, all I will say about Brock Purdy is that it makes me laugh. I was thinking last night as I'm driving home, how many people were like, yeah, well, wait until he, you know, going into that second matchup with the Seahawks. Yeah, well, here's a team that wait until they see him a second time around. See, they got him. The, they saw him the first time, and he snuck up on them. He's now beating them four in a row. Right. He essentially is to the Seahawks what Russell Wilson was to the 49ers. He is officially Seahawk kryptonite, and that's why Dave Softy Mahler, when he hears people complaining about Brock Purdy, is like, what? Because he would dream of having a Brock Purdy. But, yeah, right now the 49ers have their guy. They have their guy, and to me, if you really think about, if you go on to crystallize, what is, what is, what's so special about Brock Purdy that we're getting all excited about other than the results and the wins. And like, if just from a clinical standpoint, watching him play, is there anything that you can point to and say, wow, that's really special. And I would say it's the combination Damon of quiet feet and quick feet. He's got quiet feet in the pocket in that, He's not afraid of the rush. How many times did you see Jimmy Garoppolo's feet? Pitter-patter, 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 pitter-patter. You know what I mean? So that's what we call loud feet. Quiet feet, you're just standing there the way Tom Brady does, or did, the way that Aaron Rodgers did, you know, where you've got that, where your feet are, you're not worried. But right. then he also has quick feet, so he can move within the pocket, which I thought he did expertly yesterday, especially on a couple of those where I'm watching it on the binoculars and the left, you know, the right side of the line is giving pressure. And instead of, you know, hitting that, you know, escape hatch and just sprinting out of there, he just subtly moves to his left, create, you know, keeping his eyes po posted down the field the entire time and then delivers a strike down the field to one of the, the bevy of his, uh, you know, one of his bevy of weapons. And it's just, that's a really hard thing to do. Either you have quick feet, you're young and you're fast and you got quickness, but you also are kind of helter skelter or you're like that veteran who's got quiet feet, but you don't have quickness and you can't really move around. This guy's got the quickness within the pocket, quick feet and then quiet feet. Yeah. And I just think right now it's you're I'm watching it and I'm like, is this for real?
Like I thought this guy was pretty good and I said it, but I didn't see that quite the upside that we're seeing right now. And I'm just sitting there going, you got to be kidding me. And then you go in the locker room after the game, Damon, and you talk to his teammates and they're not shocked. They're not surprised. Damon, it's gotten to a point where they expect it. They expect yeah. this kid to play this way every week. Well, I've already said we're almost in Brock Purdy 2.0 because now he's playing with a level of expectations attached to him. And he's been doing that since the bye week. And he's more than delivered in almost every single game where it was asked, all right, can he step up to meet this moment? He's more than met just about every moment that's been in front of him. I mean, even during the three-game losing streak, there's an argument to be made that he did not play that poorly in those games. But I don't even want to go back that far. We're talking about what just happened Sunday against Seattle. You talk about footwork, and you're right. He has shown up in this league with a veteran's level of footwork and just fundamental footwork. His coaches, going back to his high school coaches, his Iowa State coaches, Brian Greasy, I don't know who deserves all the credit, but they built this guy from the ground up. They really did. He's got great footwork. I'm going to go to the other side of the player's body, though, Larry. I'm going to say it's his eyes. This guy's eyes are always downfield. You're gonna pull. Uh, you know, he's uh, Aaron's got beautiful eyes. I, I told Chris Weber, you, you've got beautiful eyes. That's my Ralph. Have you ever made eye contact with Cal Ripken Jr.? <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. You'll the question blue. You'll question yourself. Don't do it. <laughs> uh, but no, his eyes, they're always downfield. They're never on the pressure. They're never on the play that's in front of them. They're always on his progressions and his targets. And Larry, it's the CPU. You know, what makes a computer go? It's that processing unit. And he goes through the field and through his reads and through his progressions like a 10-year NFL veteran. He really, truly does. And beyond that, I want to keep on coming back to something that Steve Young has always talked about, a catchable football. Yeah. Forget about arm strength and talent. Does he throw a catchable ball? My God, does this guy put it in the bread basket when he needs to. That throw to Debo, Debo even had to like get on his giddy up to get underneath it. Purdy put that out so perfectly. The only place that any player could make a play is if Debo gets it into fourth gear here and just, I mean, I don't know if you've had breakfast, but Jamal Adams is serving toast today. He got burnt Larry, <laughs> on that one. Uh, seriously, um, they, they were efficient enough when they had the ball where they made up for their inefficiencies. We talked about what's the one way the Seattle can be in this game. Well, with some turnovers, even that interception that he threw to Ayuk, they were talking about it, and I'm sure it'll be talked about, and you'll ask about it when you get down to uh, 49ers facility this week. You know, did did Purdy make a bad throw, or did Ayuk run the wrong route? And they were even discussing it. Greg Olson was saying, look, Purdy has made this pass all year long, and I just think Ayuk might have been in the wrong place and Love came up with a very nice interception. Love had a pretty good game. He really did. Oh, um, pretty good game. That Julian Love. <laughs> my God. Really, okay, interception, good. force, fumble, big hits. The yeah. Julian Love. I mean, my God, what a free agent signing. The former Golden Domer was huge. Hey, absolutely you're huge. Me that, that, that Jamal Adams is supposed to be the star and he's the other guy. I'd yeah. say you might have that the other oh. way around just based on yesterday. Julian Love had himself the game of his life. I mean, or that's a great, great player. Um, you know, he was with the New York Giants and they stole him in free agency this year. 
No, you're, I, I was watching the Ayuk, uh, the Purdy to Ayuk throw, and I thought Ayuk hesitated for a half step on the route and, and may have kind of ended his route a little early. Brock led him a little too much. I, I uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I didn't go back in with the fine-tooth comb uh, late last night on this particular play. I watched the game again, but I think I might have dozed in this in the middle of this play. Did Ayuk tip that ball, Damon? He did. It went off his fingertips. He, yeah. He, okay. He That's what I thought in real that. time, but other people said, no, no, it wasn't tipped. And I'm like, yeah, no, he tipped that ball. So, you know, it was a combination where I felt like Ayuk didn't finish the route and then he got himself leaning and he reached for it. It tipped off his fingers and then it fell right into the arms of the defender. So, I mean, that, that it's going to happen. I mean, you know, especially if you're Brock and you put it out there, you know, um, I, you talk to a quarterback, any quarterback about his receivers, Damon, and if they're paying them, paying those receivers a compliment, they'll say, he'll go get it for you, man. He'll go get it for you. And what they mean is oftentimes in the NFL, quarterbacks throw to spots right? and receivers just have to get to that spot. And Brock, Brock is as good as anybody is just dotting those spot throws and just putting it on that spot. And I think in this particular situation, if we had them both sitting here, I bet you Brandon would say, I didn't get to my spot. There was an awful lot of my bad in his body language. Well, yeah, know, on the, the sideline. The close up on the sideline, you could just yeah. see, you know, Ayuk was a little, you could tell he thought that it was on him. And one of the reasons why Purdy is a huge leader in this locker room so early in his career is he would never, ever put that on Brandon Ayuk. He'd tell you that he needed to make a better throw. And making better throws is really what he did all afternoon. Again, Larry, back to just the facts. 527 total yards on the day. It's the most yards in a single game this season by the team and the most yards that the Niners have registered since 2019 when Jimmy Garoppolo won that shootout in New Orleans against yeah. Drew Brees. Uh, Debo had a monster game. Uh, he had 116 yards, two receiving touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown last week against Philadelphia. 149 receiving yards, a touchdown, catching and rushing again this week. It makes Debo Samuel the second player in NFL history, Larry, to register 100 more receiving yards and one or more receiving touchdowns and one or more rushing touchdowns in back-to-back -back games since Timmy Brown, not that one, a much older Timmy Brown who played for the Eagles back in the 1960s. Oh, okay. Not touchdown Timmy? Not that Timmy Brown. Not our Timmy Brown. Their Timmy Brown. Um, the 49ers offense averaged 9.9 .9 yards per play. It's the team's highest average yards per play in a single game since 2012. Therefore, Larry, that's the most yards per play in the Kyle Shanahan era. What wow. we saw yesterday is one of the best. Ex I, I won't even say it's the scheme he drew up. It's the execution of the scheme he drew up. And when the, the big play was there, Purdy hit it. And then he hit it again. And then he hit it again. And then when he didn't hit it, it was Brandon. It was it was Christian McCaffrey, who's got a seven-yard run, followed by an eleven-yard run, followed by a three-yard run, followed by a twenty-two-yard run. I mean, he just chunk plays everywhere. You looked all afternoon. Plays were either going for eh, you know two or three yards, or they were all in that seven to twenty-eight-yard range. I mean, that was just it was an afternoon where the middle of the field seemed open. The sidelines seemed open and 
look, Witherspoon goes out, and that changes what Seattle wants to do an awful lot. He's a really yep. talented young corner. So yes. you saw the 49ers take advantage of the situation that an injury gave them while Seattle was unable to take advantage of that injury to the point of scoring like they wanted to. But again, Drew Locke was impressive, and I thought that both um, Zach Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker got forgotten in that game. Like Pete Carroll just decided – Rushing on first and second down has become predictable. So he stopped kind of doing it. And that's when I think the Seahawks really lost in this game. There was a point early on, Larry, where they had a fourth and two. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Fourth and two in the third quarter. And it was one of those, you really going to climb back into this game or not, Pete? And Pete punted. And that's when I thought the Seahawks blinked for the first time all day. That's when That's when they blinked for the very first time. And again, I guess you're going to, try to get as long of a field to defend as you can when a team's going 9.9 yards per play on you. I mean, I, I was thinking the exact same thing and they came out. Was that the one where they called, where they came out like they were going to run the play and then called the timeout and punted? Yes. Yeah. They gave I They gave a whole yeah. bunch of eye candy looking for a, a jump snap and it didn't happen. And Fred Warner just talked so much trash to them. You could see it. It was like, you know, why don't you go for it? He's like leaning across the line of scrimmage. I don't know exactly what he said there. I'll tell you what was extra impressive about this win. The Seahawks came in rested and motivated and hungry, and it was personal because the Niners were just two weeks ago in their place on national TV Where they might have slapping them around. The they outhit the Niners yesterday. They were throwing some lumber around Levi Stadium. And, they, what, and I was talking to, I think it was Aaron Banks in the locker room. I'm like, man, how hard is it to beat a team twice in three weeks? And he's like, yeah. It's hard because, you know, they've got that resolve. They got the taste of the loss in their mouth. But, I mean, also they had the rest advantage. And, you know, I asked Banks, I said, what is the rest advantage real or is it contrived? Is it a media uh, talking point or is it real? And he's like, no, man, it's real. I mean, it's like when when you had that extra rest, three extra days, especially now it's December and they've been playing since July and their bodies are so sore, that extra three days, he's like, man, it's hard to get out of the rack some Mondays. And so think about three extra days of preparation. It's not just mental preparation and mental detail, but it's physical re rest and rehab. Um, and, he, and, they, and Seattle, Damon, at the beginning of this game, looked fresher. They looked quicker. They looked, they looked spry. They looked really good. Um, and still, the 49ers were able to overcome that rest disadvantage, the motivational disadvantage, not having their defensive captain in Eric Armstead, um, who's you know a huge factor in what they do defensively. Let's credit Javon Kinlaw, by the way. Big JK stepped up with a huge effort. His motor was churning. He made plays. Uh, he made plays against the run. He was hustling. He had, I think, he had another half sack or a sack. Um, he did have you know, a half a sack, and he he played a really good game. He was he collapsing pockets well. all day. He wasn't yeah. just occupying blocks. He was collapsing pockets on Drew Locke, and that's what made Locke uncomfortable. Now, it wasn't the big sack total that they had the first time they played. They had six the first time they played Seattle. Right. Drew Locke, again, gets credit for having a pretty goddamn good afternoon when it's all said and done. I thought it was maybe, and I don't know if this is Steve Wilkes' credit or Chris Kosurik's credit. Maybe you can dig into the way that they decided 
to use Nick Bosa because it was the most versatile Nick Bosa I think we've seen all year, Larry. He was standing up over the center. He was playing stand-up nose tackle in some of these plays. He was uh, they got not creative only, on D. They got creative yeah, on I that mean, front. He, they really did. They 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 used Bosa to make up for the Eric Armstead absence, and I thought that uh, Cleveland Farrell also responded well to oh, an opportunity to play. Clee was big. Yeah. He had a sack and gave the uh, Eric Armstead yummy, yummy in my tummy celebration. So, <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, you know, you got guys playing hard for their 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 brother who couldn't go that day. And look, there's just a, a feeling of team. And then you saw the scrum at the end of the game, right? You know, everybody got their squabbles and DK Metcalf and, and, and Fred Warner got involved. And then Lenore comes right in and serves up a two-piece. Oh, it's like, hey, man, we can't beat him. Let's fight him. Yeah, you know that that was the Seattle thought right there. Oh wait a second, and I, I kept yelling from uh from you know from the press box to Greenlaw, go down, just go down. You know, <laughs> you could just go down, <laughs> dude. Everyone in San Francisco was basically <laughs> go down, just go down. You've made the play, go down, go down. Uh, did you notice the 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 new NASCAR front? They went with no Eric Armstead, with Hargrave banged up with the uh, hammy. Well, actually, before even Hargrave went down with the hammy, um, Kacerik went to his all four, you know, three D end alignment. Yeah. And I asked Chase Young about it. I said, Chase, when you guys were, you know, in at Columbus, did you and you and Nick ever rush off the same side at the same time? And he's like, No, man, we we didn't get that much run down there because he had the core injury. Uh, the year that we were together, right? He's like, but, but, um, I, I said to him, I'm like, man, that three D end, let's get all of our pass rushers on the field alignment, which had Randy Gregory and Bosa on the edges, Chase Young and Hargrave inside. The Niners essentially took their four best pass rushers and put them on one line. And Chase was like, we either got home or almost got home almost every time we went to that alignment. Hey. Welcome home to 49ers Wake Up. If you're new here, if the algorithm brought you to us today, fantastic. If it's radio memories that brought you to us today, that's fantastic. If you're one of Larry's 30,000 subscribers that found me through him, I thank you very, very much, Larry. I've had an awful lot of people tell me in my channel's growth over the last few weeks, I found you with Krug, and I'm so glad that I did. It's two of my favorite sports phone hosts officially together now. And you're blowing uh, up. Damon, Damon's got more subs in the last 10 days than any anybody I've ever come across. I mean, I mean, you to be honest. You, you thought I was you thought I was cheating. I mean, <laughs> I, I seriously I, I called him the other day. I said, bro, there's a right way and there's a wrong way to do this. If you're buying all these subs, man, that ain't good. No. Uh, but I'm convinced that he obviously is not, and it's just natural organic growth. But Damon's grown by almost 4,000 subs in like 10 days, and it's great to see. And it's and and I, you know, we're cr crested the 30,000 uh, mountain, and and we go from there, and maybe someday we'll get to 40 and 50 and 60 and 70 and and that kind of thing. But um, it's I think there's an awful lot of people that are looking at their they're viewing and listening options and saying, wait a second, I can, I can, I can, uh, I can follow these guys on YouTube. I can have YouTube in the car. I don't have to be locked into old, you know, old school AM radio anymore. Wow. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to branch out and, uh, YouTube. You're welcome.
<laughs> yeah, you're. It's about time we put this little website on the map. It really is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're really welcome, uh, YouTube. Google, you're welcome. Um, Look at this no. chat. Kyle McKiernan. Brock Purdy is the new Steph Curry in the Bay Area. Welcome it with open arms and let's go on a 10 plus year 49er run. Wouldn't, hey. that be in some, wouldn't that be something? All I can tell you is that Brock Purdy is tracking to a level that only the very best quarterbacks of all time have ever played at. I mean, and, and I get, that's not hyperbole. That's not my opinion. I, take, no. I think technically we're out of the just the facts segment to open the show here, Larry, but I, I am not over-exaggerating when I say that Brock Purdy has a level of mathematically, statistically tracked, proven production that mirrors the best of the best future Hall of Fame quarterbacks in their most elite MVP-worthy seasons. You know, he's, he's Aaron Rodgers at peak Aaron Rodgers. He's Marino at peak Dan Marino. He's doing things that John Elway never did. He's doing things. He's doing things that Steve Young didn't. And Steve Young, for God's sake. He's doing things that Steve Young didn't do until he was 32 years old. Right. And he's 23. You know, I mean, I've been saying he's the best quarterback since the best Niner quarterback since Steve Young. And a couple people came up to me in the last week or in the chats have gone. He's the best good Niner quarterback since Joe. Uh, my good friend Dan Coach Emilio in the post game last night said, at the same stage in their career, he's better than Joe. And I said, you know, of course, we all called Dan a moron and and rip Dan and Dan's an idiot. And the, the chat, Dan, you're high, Dan, Dan, you know. But I know what Dan was saying. Right. He was Joe saying. First 20 starts of Joe Montana's career. Look at the numbers in Purdy's career. And one's a lot better than the others. Right, right. And it's not, we're not saying he's better than Joe, everybody. You know, it's gonna somebody's gonna go. You know, I was listening to Morning Wake Up with Damon and Larry. They're saying he's better than Joe Montana. I mean, come on, pump the brakes, you morons! No, I we get it, we get it. Joe's Joe, and there's only one Joe. But all Dan's point was was just that that's how precocious this young kid is. That's how ahead of the game he is. Um, I I was shouting this guy out as a very good future quarterback last summer before his rookie year um, because I actually went up to him and met him in camp and started talking to him. And I started realizing this guy's got exactly what I mean. I've interviewed Drew Brees and I've interviewed Russell Wilson and I've interviewed Tom Brady. And it's like, this guy's got what those guys got, which is he's smart. He's humble. But he's got that chip on his shoulder. He's got this, I'll prove you wrong. He's He's got that mental maturity that Alex Smith had, but he's got that chip that Brady carried. He's got the, you know, that me, literally, Damon, when I talk to Brock in the locker room, he calls me sir. And every time he does, I I look around. Right. Where's like, Where's your dad? I'm like, you no, mean, Mr. Kruger's no longer with us anymore. Let's just call me Larry. I mean, seriously, I mean, he's that, he's that respectful normal you know and then of course you know i'm 53 now so he probably i am one of his elders and he's he's respectful of his elders but i mean come on um the guy is hard to believe it's too good to be true they found this guy and then all all, what's that i didn't know you were i thought you were i i honestly thought you were like 51 you you don't look at i got two and a half you really don't kidding me are you kidding me No, but, but, uh, but, you know, I'm, Hey, I'll be 54 January 12th. If everybody wants to send me a gift, 
uh, feel free. Uh, you know, you know, don't. I'll accept gifts from everybody. When's, uh, when's when is it? Is January it, the twelfth. So like almost fifty four. I'm a nineteen seventy January twelfth, nineteen seventy. When's the Super Bowl? It's probably a week before that. I think it's the eighth or seventh. Okay. All right. Like that. I'm sorry. Is your birthday on the Super Bowl? Because oh my, well they keep pushing the Super Bowl back. So who knows? Maybe it is this year. Right. The Super Bowl is going to be played in March at some point. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Super Bowl Sunday, and make sure you buy your fireworks, everybody. Happy spring, uh, everyone. Welcome <laughs> to the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's like the NBA Finals are you know we're going to be August 10th. Um, but yeah, no, it's like it's a it's amazing what the Niners have fallen into. And I know there are an awful lot of, there were an awful lot of people that were just like, you know, Trey never got his chance. And I, and I totally understood that. But when the, when you fall, when you stumble on this kind of a player and you, you, you realize, you know, Hey, it's not just, this isn't just a, you know, a, a one shot wonder or, Hey, he's got a good start, but wait until the league adjusts. And, and you realize everything about this kid is real and there's not going to be a, a, an adjustment. He's just going to get better. Um, and, and all the people that in the off season this year are like, well, he can't get any better. Why? Cause you, cause you're rooting for the other guy and you don't want him to get better. What 22 right. year old quarterback doesn't get better. You know I mean? It's like, uh, yeah, he's going to get better and where he is right now. Guess what folks? He's going to get even better. So I mean, what does that look like? What does yeah. the actual five-year NFL veteran Brock Purdy look like? I can't wait to see what that looks like. I'm trying to stay in the moment. I want to enjoy the moment. I don't want to do any projection broadcasting this morning or talking about, you know, someone Someone last night was like, uh, you know, the Dallas Cowboys or Dak Prescott won the MVP last night. I'm like, well, actually, no one won the MVP last night. They're not giving that away yet. So, like, let's... Let's be in the moment a little bit more than trying to just project where it could all go. What they got coming up is a game against the Arizona Cardinals, and that is a handle your business set up designed to be a trap game if there ever was one for a team that's got great aspirations. And it's up to Kyle to sell this team on the fact to stay focused, and I don't think he's going to have to sell it hard. I mean, good teams run and police themselves. They really do throughout history. Um. And, and, it, and your leadership comes from your best players. And yeah. how do your are they workmanlike? I talked to Charlie Warner. You can check that interview out on YouTube. I'm on the Krug Show page. And I said, Charlie, you know, um, another catch for Warner. He's done yeah, another catch. A few weeks where, where Kyle's thinking, like, I got to get him a ball. I got to get him a ball. And I asked him, I, I, you know, about the focus and, you know, looking too far ahead and that kind of thing. And he's like, he's like, look around. He looks around the room. He's like, guys are just putting their helmets on. Guys are just putting their pads on. We're going out to practice. We're just taking it day by day. We're going to, we're, we're simpling in. And Fred Warner told me three weeks ago in an interview, he said, he goes, you know, we're not, we're not thinking, you know, three weeks ahead. We're not thinking one game ahead. We're staying in the present play by play, next play, next play, next play, next play. And eventually we'll get there. But we're not looking down the road. We're not planning ahead. We're not reading our press clippings, and we're not we're not going to put the cart before the horse. I mean, you know what's great about this Niner team is they've learned in this season a very valuable lesson. The world was kissing their ass. They were on top of the world. They smoked the Cowboys in a big national TV game, and they lost three in a row. And all of a sudden, they went from, man, we may not lose. We may run the table to we may not make the playoffs. What's going to happen here? Are we ever going to win again? And that was a valuable lesson, a valuable lesson 
And there's been a focus since the bye week, Damon, that um, is really, really impressive. You know, it's a fo- it's the focus of let's just take it one at a time. And this week it's the it's the Seahawks, and next week it's the Cardinals. We'll get to the Ravens when we get to them. We'll get to the playoffs when we get to it. And they're not looking too far down that road. And I think that's the healthy approach. I think it is too. And look, we also will tell you right now, nothing about that game was perfect. The way that the 49ers ended that first half, had they had they lost that game, Larry, we're crucifying Kyle Shanahan. Well, I, I need you to tell me what the hell he wasn't doing there at the end of that half, where he went to the locker room, declined a 10-second runoff, um, no, accepted a 10-second runoff, excuse me, to have less time, declined to take uh, a timeout when he had three remaining, with the team, the Seahawks, running plays from inside their own five-yard line. A short field is all but guaranteed, and Kyle is cool sitting on a less-than-impressive lead just going into the locker room. Now, I don't know if... Not getting the ball back in the third, either. Yeah, I don't know if he wanted to adjust some protections, if he was worried about the pressure that was coming to Moody right up the front or the gut. I don't... Like, I... Someone needs to ask Kyle, you know, like, hey, you won the game. And when you win the game, you don't need to make many apologies. But that's more than, like, like not being a good clock manager. He absolutely abdicated a possession. He He took his foot off the gas pedal there. I don't want a possession at the end of the half, which is an odd choice for any coach to make, especially on a day where you're hitting chunk plays and things are working. Like I didn't get that at all. That's there are two things I didn't like in the game. Number one, the end of the half, which did not haunt the Niners at all. And number two, it's officially time to get Debo Samuel off kick return. He is too important. He cannot be lost on a play that can be made by anyone else. I mean, take the touchback for fuck's sake. Don't the, Debo got smacked at the 15 yard line yeah, and he just doesn't hit. does not need to expose himself to the single most violent play on the field. Uh, he's too important. Give it to Ronnie Bell. Give it to Ray Ray when he's ready to come on back. Give it to Jordan Mason. Ray Ray, Ray, may, Ray, Ray may not be coming back. Oh, right, Ray Ray was put on the IR. Okay. Well, so there's a chance that Ray Ray's done. Um, and well, and Ronnie Bell makes me nervous. I got to be completely nervous too. He got, by the way, he slipped on that uh, Mitch Wisnowski. I told you there was a fake punt coming. And there's another thing I need you to find out for me this week, Larry. Did did Mitch Wisnowski call the code red himself based on that alignment, or was that a actual practiced punt fake? And if it was. That's one of the greatest everyone on this team is selling the fake punt fakes of all time. He looked like he even caught the Niners off guard. That's how well designed of a fake that was. If that was called in from the sideline, I don't know if the, uh, I don't know if he just went full on code red himself. I, 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 you got to find out for me. Kyle Shanahan has been the Niners head coach since 2017. He has never called a fake. fake punt. No, ever. And he didn't call the one last night either, according to Kyle. I think it was a Schneider call, the veteran special teams coach. And by the way, if they ever look for that, they if they uh, you know they don't have Ray Ray and they they don't activate Danny Gray and they're looking for that guy who can run off the coverage, maybe it's Wishnowski. Put him <laughs> out there. I mean, he Wishnowski was cooking, man. I mean, it wasn't just a first down that he was running for. That guy, that guy's got big speed. And it's funny, I asked him last week. I was asking him a question about the game, and he's like, you know. I don't know anything about football. 
I'm like, you're a football player. He's like, yeah, but you know, honestly, I don't know anything about football. Uh, he just does what he does, but he's a, he's a true specialist. But yeah, no, I mean the speed on that was incredible, and then I you know, know the, the offsetting football. That's <laughs> by the way, that's the most refreshing honest player quote yeah. maybe of the nfl season right there like the only time i run that fast is when the pierogies are ready like i mean the that's the only way that quote could have been better i'm um, thinking about taking that quote and putting it as part of my intro i don't know anything about football uh <laughs> you know it would just be a great intro to the show but so, yeah uh, I, again, I, I didn't the, like the that was incredible i mean it was it was i'm mean, sitting there and i was pounding the table i'm like damn the offsetting penalties and offsetting, you know, obviously it just means they're going to play the down over. And I'm like, try it again. Try it again. No, and of course they're not going to try it again. The element of surprise is, is gone there. But that was that was great to see. It was great to see. And it was also one of those things where, you know, you put that on film. Now every single team has to take time. Absolutely. To, they could run a fake. They've done it, guys. They, they could run a fake and more more make your opponent use more of their time. Well, and okay. it also it also just tells everyone you can't line up like that because Mitch is hunting his next big career play since that one unfortunately got wiped out. Uh, Ronnie Bell looked like he slipped. By the way, I mean it's still a it's still a chop block, but he slipped more than he erred in in the in the mistake that was the penalty. Um, I want to read. Uh, I got over five hundred people in the room here, Larry. What do you got? Fifteen ninety one. That's what I'm talking about, baby. So together, we have 2,000 live viewers watching this show right now. 88 Esquire says, the viewers here are all being treated to the most substantial, fact-driven, and entertaining post-game sports show originating in the San Francisco Bay Area or on any media platform. Kudos to Damon and Larry. 88 Esquire, thank you very, very much. That is the goal of what we're doing here. We ask everyone, especially if you are new to the room, hit like, hit subscribe, whether you be in Larry's room or in my room, it doesn't matter. We're sharing it all together. And hit like and subscribe. This thing is officially growing. And again, when football season is over, maybe this is the new morning show that the Bay Area officially needs. Who knows? I've never been much of a morning guy, Larry, but these damn kids <laughs> got me up like the rooster. Oh, you kid. My wife would love it. I'm a nighttime guy. She's a morning person. And it's like, if I became a morning person, she'd be like, it's a dream world. I don't know That's what she needs. I don't know. Man, That's, it, no, all right. Well, you know, look know. at it this way. If it'll I'm be a rough, I'm a rough watch in the morning, man. Oh, you're not easy on the night when, the, you know, easy on the eye when the sun goes down either there, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's um, it's phenomenal. The response has been overwhelming. And Larry and I both thank you very much for being here today. Hit like, oh. hit subscribe and all that good stuff. Yeah. What do you got? Well, one thing I do want to mention, um, you gave me the great idea and I had a chance. Damon did a did a. Um, a meet and greet and what at uh, what was the name of the place in the city victory hall victory hall on rich street right over there by the ballpark it's a great bar my friend uh Waylon has opened his doors for us whenever he's asked him to and he's been a great host and
And uh, it was wonderful to have you and Amy come on by, meet all of uh, the Plusers and the early adapters to the Damon Bruce show on YouTube. You had a lot of fans in that room too, Larry, and you are doing this at picking a pickle up at Corte Madera, baby. Oh, and there we go. And like that, graphic. look at that. The graphic, we're doing a watch party and it's, we're going to do it during a Niner game. We actually did it on the Niner bye week for Damon's at, uh, in the city, but we're going to, if you're a, if you're a fan of my channel, if you're a fan of Damon's channel, hopefully Damon's going to be there December 17th at one o'clock. We're all going to get together at uh, pig and a pickle in Corte Madera. Now they've got two locations, right? Don't go to Emeryville, go to Corte Madera in Marin. And, you know, it's December 17th, so it's one of the last major shopping days before Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's, and all the great holidays and uh, coming up here late December. But December 17th, we'll be there. Niners play the Cardinals. We'll do a watch party. I'm going to be there from noon on. The place opens at 11. They'll be there. They'll be open till 8. Stop by. Have some barbecue. Watch the game with us. Have a few beers. Um, and then, you know, I understand that that's a very busy Christmas shopping day for a lot of people, but that Corte Madera Mall is freaking amazing. So stop in, have some barbecue, say hi to me, say hi to Damon. Hopefully Damon can make it. My family's going to be there. Kev's going to be there. Um, We're going to number- make it up there. My mom's coming into town. We're going to do our very best to make it up there. I'm going to have to get back home to do my post game show. Um but, Larry, we're going to be there. You know, you've supported me this entire way. We're going to hopefully come out and support you. Yeah, um, watch party December 17th, 341 Corte Madera Town Center. What I was going to say is, hey, you know, stop by. Uh, if you want to do some, let me get the other brand up here. By the way, I love the way that you covered the mic flag in that old KNBR picture of you. <laughs> Seriously. Um, but stop by, you know, um, have some barbecue, have a beer. And then, uh, you know, go if you want to do more Christmas shopping, go do it at the Corte Madera Mall. If you want to watch the Niner Cardinal game with us, you can. I'm going to attempt to do my post game um, there at Pig and a Pickle. And if you want to stop by and be part of the studio audience for that, um, it's it's a restaurant. It doesn't have it doesn't have ridiculous. It's not, uh, you know, a, a Dallas, Texas, uh, you know, restaurant where it's, you know, there's 19 cavernous rooms. It's right. somewhat small. Yeah. I mean, we're probably, it probably, you know, if a hundred people descend on this place, it's probably going to blow the entire place up, but um, I've had a lot of people already say they're going to be there. So stop by December 17th, watch Niners and Cardinals, have a beer, have some barbecue um, and uh, hang out. We're going to kind of treat it like an open house. We'll be there between, noon and when they close at eight should be a lot of fun i'm looking forward to just be honest with you larry's good the barbecue's great (laughs) yeah the barbecue barbecue. um look you want to talk about blowing the place up larry this brings i've kind of buried the lead today i think more than any other time in his career with the niners which has been dotted with excellence i think trent williams might have played his best game in a 49ers uniform yesterday trent williams was out there bulldozing guys i mean he just went full on what they call him the silverback gorilla oh my god what a day he had not just pass blocking but the run blocking i mean he was caving in the left the right side of that seahawks front he all day long anything christian mccaffrey wanted around left side he got and then when you put how good, how good was the Niners run game, Damon, they averaged seven and a half a carry. It was so good. You almost didn't even notice it. You know what I mean? It's like when, you know, Usain Bolt was so fast. He almost looked like he was running in slow motion. 
Like the Niners game, the run game was so efficient, you almost didn't even see it yesterday. It was just a given. Here's six yards. Here's another six yards. Here's seven yards. Here's 12 yards. Here's 15 yards. Here's a a 22-yard run by McCaffrey. Oh, here's a 72-yard run to open the goddamn game. And by the way, then J.P. Mason got in for the tug. Hey, how about J.P. Mason? He's still on the team. He's still getting good for him. And Elijah Um, Mitchell was hurt, so we may see more J.P. Mason. I liked what I said. Again, I've never seen J.P. Mason and said to myself, less of that guy. I I haven't. I haven't. So more J.P. Mason, not at even the expense of Elijah Mitchell, who's also a running back that I like, but on the goal line, yeah, absolutely. Save Save Christian McCaffrey that goal line pounding when you can, if you can get Mason to 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 stuff it in there. James T. Kirk, you said pounding. Hey, you know what? I can I can help him out. Pound it, pound it, pound it, pound it. Oh yeah, we got old <laughs> tricks here. We got old tricks up our sleeves. But Larry, I actually really believe, and this is a theory that I worked, I, I kind of workshopped it on my post-game show. You tell me what you think. Okay. So we all know that the worst possession an offense can have is a three and out. And the problem with the three and out isn't just that you're giving the ball right back, but you never got any momentum. Like you never got, you you were never able to establish a rhythm because you only ran three plays. Well, the Niners only ran two plays. And even though they equaled touchdown, I actually think that that extremely fast start did as much to take the 49ers out of rhythm as any big Seattle Seahawk early in that first quarter, big hit that they might have laid on anyone. I just think that the 49ers have used this first drive all season long to establish an offensive cadence and rhythm, and they were 72 yards down the field, one more played in the end zone, and the only thing, and this is going to sound nuts, like the only thing worse than a three and out might be running two plays. Even if they, you get a touchdown out of it, like that is, I, I think that the Niners scored, they scored in such a short time that, I mean, they scored faster than it took to sing the national anthem. So I, I almost think that that took them out of a little rhythm early They scored on. too fast. Yeah. <laughs> There's the problem. Excuse me, Kyle, uh, Larry Kruger here from the Krug show. Is it possible that your offense is too explosive? Can you slow that down, Kyle? I think you're taking yourself out of rhythm with all these points. Again, I'm workshopping this theory. I'm not telling you it's one of my best. I'm workshopping it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what do you think? I don't, I, I don't know. I, I think I'll take the, this morning. I think I'll take the points. You know, it's funny. I asked Kyle right when the press conference started. I said, "Hey, you know, you guys, you guys got to got to win here over Seattle." And they were so many heroes. What did you like most about this game? And he thought about it for like less than a half a second, and he said, "You know what?" The fact that we got to win. In other words, they're just singularly focused. It was, it you know, the fact of the matter is they they knew Seattle was more rested. They knew Seattle was pissed off from getting routed up there. They knew that uh, it was going to be really tough to vanquish a proud opponent like Seattle twice in, what, 15 days or whatever it is. Um, and and they, they would take this win any way it came. But it really was a great top-to-bottom team victory you know the offense played great the defense played great the special teams had big plays the Niners are rounding into form right now Damon and it's it's a pleasure to watch and when and to me and we'll get into this I'm sure more as we go but equally exciting is kind of the eroding of the Super Bowl landscape 
as far as the other teams are concerned. Buffalo beat Kansas City, but Buffalo doesn't look like a world beater. But guess what? Kansas City doesn't look like a Super Bowl contender right now. And guess what? The Eagles are taking on water. They don't look all that great. And Dallas is routing people, but the Niners own Dallas. And Detroit, I thought, was real, but they're maybe real in 2025 because the Bears are slapping them around. And you look around and you're like, wait a second. All of the teams that are standing between the 49ers in that sixth Lombardi uh, in the Santa Clara trophy case suddenly don't look like they're peaking or getting better. And in many cases, they look like they're getting worse. And, and this thing is, I don't want to get overly excited, but the 49ers are, are peaking and they're getting a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And how many teams in the NFL have this trajectory that actually have a chance to win the Super Bowl? Does Balt Baltimore was life and death to beat the Rams at home yesterday? They're supposedly awesome. Who's the best team in the AFC? Baltimore, Kansas City, who lost and have no receivers. Is it Miami? Maybe it's Miami. We may be headed towards a Niners, Dolphins, Vegas showdown for the ages between the teacher and the pupil, between McDaniel and all that speed and Tyreek Hill. And, you know, Shanahan and Purdy and all these weapons. But it's it's starting to we're seeing a thinning of the herd at the top in the NFL right now. And I'm excited about the Niners, but I'm also excited about the potential uh, when you look at the landscape of the rest of the league. Yeah, it was. Look, it was a rough weekend for Bay Area sports when you looked at the Warriors dumping one on the road by a point. And then Shohei Otani taking 700 million over 10 to join the Dodgers. And so it was, it, it felt like there were two body blows on the Bay Area's fighter this weekend. And then the 49ers reminded you that you still got a potential heavyweight right here. And they just handled their business and, and made everyone feel a lot better. Thank God that they didn't join the, uh, the parade of depression that is right now the Warriors and the Giants. But Look, there were. There I mean, was, the, wait, the Giants didn't get Otani? Can you believe it, Larry? <laughs> I'm shocked. I'm absolutely shocked. It is a shocker. It really yeah. is. Um, I told you, seven hundred million was the magic number. Seven hundred million dollars. They were saying he was getting forty-four a year. He got seventy, and a they, lot of it's uh, deferred. So the Dodgers are going to be able to keep building. And you know, we oh gotta, my God! I, 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 I know this is not this is not Giants wake up. No, or we don't want to lose the audience. Alarm, exactly. We got but, two thousand people watching this show. The last thing we want to do is start talking Giants right. baseball. By the way, here's our market. Giants report. baseball can clear a room better than any, anybody that you know. Uh, uh, our our market report brought to us by Kevin Kruger. 49ers wake up between your channel and my channel right now larry has 2000 people watching us right now in our respective rooms 957 the game is at 970 knbr is at 460 so once again we have more viewers watching us than both established sports talk stations in san francisco have combined so great hires and fires on their part don't you think <laughs> um let's talk about a guy who we have bagged on 
probably more than any other Niner this year. And he stepped into a situation, was thrown into it because of a Traverius Ward injury. And the shuffling means Lenore is coming off the slot and he's going to the corner now to play opposite of Andre Thomas. And guess who yesterday's second leading tackler was? Isaiah Oliver. We've bagged on Isaiah Oliver. He has played his way into the depth chart, not to the top of it. But he really responded yesterday, and I think we got to give him a you know a little little golf clap on that one. And I'll tell you, Greg Olson, he's a great dude, by the way. Isaiah Oliver is a tremendous guy. He really well, is. He, he he played very well when the needle fell on him. And talking about needles falling on guys, dude, Jair Brown can play, Larry, straight up. Like I'm not worried about Talanoa Hufanga's injury being the reason why this defense is going to perform or function differently. He's a hitter. He can play. He's got good hands. He's got good eyes. He's got good angles. I really like Jair Brown. Oh, great kid. Great kid. Um, he's the New Jersey Steels leader in basketball. Think about that. Ooh, so he's got, he's got great anticipation. He's got great hands. He's got great two- or three-step quickness. He's making plays. And I, I asked Shanahan this question. I haven't tweeted it out yet. I will later this morning. And I talked to Jair in the locker room yesterday. I asked Shanahan, I'm like, it was, I said, man, I love what I'm seeing with uh, Jair Brown on the front end, on the back end against the run, against the pass. Um, what I, I go, he's making plays all over the field, Kyle. What are you seeing? And he's like, I'm seeing the same thing. Um, he's like, he had an interception yesterday. He easily could have had two. He makes big starching hits that, you know, he's a thumper. He's a thumper in the box. He can cover down the field. That was a great freaking third round draft choice. Um, that kid was, as I said, he, you know, he's a he was a two-sport star in high school. He followed Jaquan Brisker to junior college, then followed Brisker to Penn State. Brisker's now with the Bears. Jair fell to 87 in the draft. The Niners saw him falling. They traded up to get him. And day one, you know, it's like so, everybody's got a vibe about him. His vibe is like. I'm damn good and I know it. I'm not I'm not arrogant, but I don't lack for confidence. Right. And then I went up to him in the locker room and I said, Hey, have you talked to Talanoa? Because Talanoa's taken a personal um, you know, personal interest in this kid's development, despite that Talanoa himself is, you know, this kid's taking his spot as Talanoa's on the IR. And as I'm asking him about about Talanoa, he's like, and he looks back in his locker and he's like, He gave me these beads. And I go, are they good luck beads? Are they winning beads or whatever? He's like, I'm not really sure. I got to talk to him about it, but he gave me these beads. And, um, and you know, I'll take one. Whenever anyone of Samoan descent hands you beads, you take them. You take those beads. You take those beads. But yeah, I mean, the kid is just special. He's special. He's got a nose for the football. He wants to get better. The moment's not too big for him. He will step into the he will he will fill the lane and and light you up like a like a like a you know a cigar in your golf bag on the ninth hole. You know, what I mean, he will absolutely light you up. And yet he's got coverage ability down the field and he's a productive interceptor. And there's a few things that translate in in football from college to the pros. If you sack the quarterback in college, typically you're going to find a way to sack the quarterback in the NFL. And if you intercept passes in college, you're going to find a way to intercept passes in the NFL. And he, I think, has had double digit picks the last three years for the Nittany Lions. And look what he's done so far. Could have had two yesterday. Kids special. Diamador Lenore 
He needs to get in front of a jugs machine. Oh my God. He had that tip drill interception that he almost had the other day, but uh, that's when, that's when the receivers start talking trash to him and being like, Hey bro, that's why you play defense. That's why you're a cornerback instead yeah. of a wide receiver in this league. But look, I'm glad he's a cornerback. Lenore's really come on well. Ambry Thomas, again, he did get beat on the DK Metcalf. By the way, DK Metcalf on his one touchdown catch, what an adjustment he made. I mean, he caught that thing in his hip pocket, Larry, coming off of his back shoulder as Locke didn't even – I mean, I don't even want to say Locke tried to put the ball there. The ball was just there. And the adjustment that Metcalf made, that ball came right over Ambry Thomas's outstretched hand. It was, I mean, here's the thing. Metcalf is a physical specimen of, a, of the first degree. He is a hothead, but that's a guy I would want to go to war with any day of the week. Like, seriously. Like, I, I know every Niner fan is wired to hate DK Metcalf, as they should be. He's a good player. He didn't have a good game yesterday. He has not played well against He's the 49ers. They got the answer and the antidote to him. But boy, he is he he's is unique. He's very unique. I mean, first of all, the guy's shredded, right? Uh, and he he's about two for 30. He makes other um, professional athletes keep their shirt on. You know, yeah, that I mean, he, he, he he's the guy's shredded. Um, but if you know, you know, here's the weirdest statistical anomaly in the history of the combine. Guess who's got the faster three cone drill? DK Metcalf. Or Tom Brady? Well, you wouldn't be asking me if the answer weren't Tom Brady. It's Tom freaking Brady! He does. DK doesn't run the full tree. He's a go pattern guy. He's a post pattern guy. He he's got like four routes that he can run. Well, he's, he's so freaking big, Larry. I'm surprised yeah. he isn't like Brandon Ayuk, like a jitterbug can do anything, cut on a dime. He's just too much man to turn right. around fast. And Mooney, you know, Mooney's a great matchup for him. I really believe Moon the DK is one of the main reasons the Niners went after Mooney Ward because he's a Mooney's the perfect answer to DK. Um, and D, but DK is got he's so big and so fast. And it, you know, could you imagine what DK would be with Kyle Shanahan calling plays where you get him in the middle of the field? You saw that middle of the field play against Dallas where he ran away. It was looked like, he looked like I, I, I felt like I was watching a sports car uh, take off on the freeway. I mean, he was just he was like shot from a cannon. I've never seen anybody that big with that kind of straight line speed. He doesn't um, even have a wide receiver's body. No, he, he's he's somewhere in between a tight end and a safety. I mean, he really he's just he's, he's a, a unique player. He's a he he's, he might be a one trick pony, but he's got a hell of a trick up his sleeve. He really does. He played with AJ Brown at Ole Miss, and he barely did anything. Go look at the numbers. It was all AJ Brown. DK barely did anything there. Uh, that was like the concern coming out. It's like, well, the guy looks awesome, but can he play? And uh, a lot of people, you know, he was that one guy that looked incredible at the combine, didn't have the collegiate production, and has emerged as a very, very special player. He's not, he's not AJ Brown. Brown's still way better. There's lots of receivers that you know get into and out of their breaks more efficiently, better hands, so on. But man, mismatch. Which is also what DK Metcalf is also a little bit of a punk in him. He's got some punk tendencies, and he. He grabbed Warner's face mask and he was just rocking that okay. thing back and forth. So before all that, Larry, I don't know if you've seen the footage that came out this morning, and I didn't see it no. until this morning on Twitter. Uh, before Fred Warner shoves him in the back, DK Metcalf absolutely like suplexed almost, pile drived 
pickup and drove Fred Warner to the ground. That's why Warner got up and shoved him in the back, which led to Metcalf getting up and grabbing Warner by the face mask. And then the scrum breaks out and we're playing the feud. Um, and then the <laughs> Amador Lenore is in there with a two piece. Just it's coming in. Pop, pop. <laughs> I miss the feud, man. Richard Dawson. Let's play the feud. Oh, there is the feud still going on right now, but of course, that old, if it's, old if it's not feud. Richard Dawson, it's not really the feud. Could it, you it, imagine if there was a, any game show host today? Well, there is no game show host, there's no game shows anymore. But if you try to kiss everybody, <laughs> if you try to kiss Richard Dawson, literally try to rip off kisses from everybody. Come Richard here, Dawson got more ass than a horse's saddle. Okay, <laughs> Richard Dawson was just kissing everybody. He really was. He, there was a, there was an, an aggressive amount of me too that would have come for Richard Dawson had he yeah. been in our era. It was a different time, kids. It was you a could, different time. You could you could smoke. You could you could drink a glass of scotch with clinking ice cubes on TV back in those days. It was different. <laughs> right. It was right. It was a different time. Um, but look, it was. Uh, a hell of a game for the 49ers. Welcome to 49ers Wake Up. It's wonderful to have you here. Damon Bruce and Larry Kruger with you. I know that, Larry, you've already got 21 Super Chats are already starred. So Yeah, you want we'll to we go through it? Well, yeah, let's get into them, but I want to bring up what I thought was an easy-to-forget-about but maybe the most important play of the day, the biggest momentum shifter where the game really went from, hey, Seattle's maybe hanging around – to all right the Niners are in control okay I thought the biggest play of the day the most momentum shifting play of the day is when the Niners get the ball back with 558 remaining in the third third quarter okay and the very first play was Purdy to Ayuk for 45 yards which just put the Seahawks back on their heels you get Christian McCaffrey then into the red zone he goes around Trent Williams two plays later and then a play after that Debo's getting a little shovel pass and uh, no, actually, that wasn't a pop pass. That wasn't the Debo pop pass. That was the Debo handoff to his rushing touchdown. And that made it 21-10 Niners. And that's where they took control of the game, I thought, more than anything else. And maybe the second biggest play. In terms I, by, of, by the way, I totally agree with you. I highlighted in my notes on that first and 10 from the 25. Purdy expertly moves to his left in the pocket and throws a dime to Ayuk 45 yards down the field. It was first and 10 on the Niner 25. The next snap was first and 10 on the Seahawk 30. That was a huge play. It's stupid how much you and I think alike. <laughs> I think huge you can have play. 20 people watch the same game and come away with 20 different plays, but you and I are usually on that momentum buried it, in the somewhere in the haystack it play. Screamed, it screamed big time. It did. Big time. It did. And then look, George Kittle's big touchdown right after the Seahawks scored their touchdown in the second half there. Kittle made the game 28 to 16, two plays into the fourth quarter. A, a really nice screen set up by the Seahawks, too. It's like they faked screens in both directions and went in the middle. Um, nice play. Nice play, Seattle. Drew Locke ran that one well. Uh, did it to the backup tight end. But it was a day where without even really noticing as it was happening, Brock Purdy throws for a career best yardage afternoon. Purdy finished the game with uh, 368 yards, two touchdowns and an interception that again was off the fingertips of Ayuk. I'm sure Purdy will wear the scarlet letter on that one, but it might've been Ayuk's fault. It was just a, a day of chunk plays and efficiency from a team that, 
has a coach who can really dial him up. When you're getting 9.9 yards per play, that's the most amount of yards averaged in a single game in the Kyle Shanahan era. So it's it's hard to say that, you know, Kyle really botched the end of that second half or the end of the first half, which he did. He, I, don't, I don't care what he says. I don't care what his excuse is. That is not how you play that half. Um, that That is... That is a, the, the, an he took his foot point. off the gas pedal. I'd like to know why. Uh, yeah. Maybe he felt like Seattle couldn't score with them. Maybe he was got distracted. Maybe he, you know, maybe it was a, a colossal error of field, judgment. Though? Who doesn't want a short field with three timeouts? Yeah. I, I don't understand. No, I know. No, I know. I mean, where did we see that before? If you said, where did we see I, Kyle take off the foot off the gas pedal? Where does would, it rhyme where, with the Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs? Does it rhyme with that? Yeah, yeah, but see that team, that chief team was could, had the ability to explode offensively. Right, the that Seattle team. Yeah, I mean that was a mistake. Yes. That was a mistake. This was a mistake as well. But you know, I'd love to hear. I mean, we'll, we'll, you know, that's the beauty of this thing. We'll get a chance on Wednesday to go down there, and after I kind of watch the game with a, and go through it with a fine tooth comb, I can come up with a couple questions and I can throw a couple of them at Kyle. Are you getting week. the Helen Thomas first question in these press conferences now, Larry? Normally Mayoko gets that first question or Barrows. Is it yours now? Are you the first question guy? Yeah, I've moved those guys aside. And uh no, I <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, no, Larry Kruger I... from YouTube. <laughs> Shut up. Well, no, but you know, some sometimes I sometimes I sit back and let it breathe and yep. and and other times I just grab it. Um so, you know. There, I actually had somebody criticize me in the press box when I got upstairs for asking that question that I should have asked a follow-up question about Mooney Ward's injury and his status, but I felt like Kyle had given us the update that he had, and um, I was taking that at face value that he, that was the update, and groin then moving on to Ward? other topics. Is that where we are still groin this afternoon? Groin for Mooney Ward as far as could he have come back in? Was it precautionary? Is it a week-long thing? Is he out for the year? I mean... All those could have been follow-ups, but um, there's no way he's out for the year. He's not. No, no. But I'm just saying the line. scope no, of yeah. that inner inner injury. I think the people that were being critical of me were like, "Hey, man, we wanted more on the scope of that injury." So maybe yesterday I I jumped in too fast. Maybe somebody else would have smartly asked about the scope of the injury. But you know what? I'm not a I'm not I'm not writing an article for the you know Reno Gazette, so I don't need to get that little note in there. I wanted to ask Kyle. I said, I said to him, I'm like, man, you got everything going in this game, offensively, defensively, all your weapons. You got to win against a Seahawks team that was motivated, determined, rested, and ready. What did what impressed you most about the win? I wanted to see what direction he would take it. And he's like, started off by just saying, hey, man, we got the win. You know, we just got the win. That's what we were here for. So. Um, I, I thought I was, I was looking to see what direction he would take it to see what was on the top of his brain. Uh, and what was on top of his brain was that, Hey, it's week 14 and, um, we got another win and we're stacking wins. And that's probably the right mindset for an NFL head coach. James T Kirk says, how does one get a media credential with the team? Well, apparently if you have electricity, you're a candidate. So, <laughs> um, you know, you apply, you apply and they're, yeah. you know, that it's as simple as that. Um, and you usually have to have some, some, uh, tie to something either 
either some huge audience somewhere or you have to be working for an old school uh, paper or have a dad who was a hack in the industry, a media entity or something. There's you got to have usually something that, um, you know, that you're there for. Let's hop into some super chats, Larry. What do you got cooking? Well, G Martinez, not a super, but he just says, you guys are killing with all those exclamation points. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, exclamation points. It's incredible. Exclamation points. I top out at three typically. All right, let's. Uh, I can't. The chat is moving so, so fast that I there's so many people that have so had said so many great things to say. Um, you know, I just I don't know where to start. Uh, so let me just go right to the supers here. Uh, that one makes me laugh from Gregus. All right, here we go. Kyle else says best day after 49er content in the land. Thank you, Kyle. Really appreciate it. Hutch serves gaming's dropping a 30 spot on me. He says, here's 30 for 30 K Larry. You lazy Larry 30 and for 30. If you're in the chat and you see people calling me lazy, 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 my mentor, my good friend, the late Biller Bannock, who I scouted with and worked for in the Canadian Football League, former Raider D-line coach, former Bengal D-line coach, former pro personnel director with the Arizona Cardinals, a guy who meant more to my football career than almost anybody. Uh, I lost him this year, and I loved him like a second father. And he used to say, boy, you're, I love you, Larry, but you're fucking lazy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he would say it. He would say it in front of the team. And so, like, when I run into old Sacramento gold miners in the, from the mid-90s with Kay Stevenson, they would be like, fucking Larry. Hey, what's up? So he used to say that to me. I love you, boy, but let me tell you, you're fucking lazy. And, <laughs> and I, was, I was effing lazy to him because I showed up for work at 7 a.m. and I left at 10 p.m. And they showed up at five, quarter to five and stayed there till we got the job done. And that could have been after midnight. Right. And you're so still the, coming in four and eight. So how much, how much is that record helping you? How much is that? I early learn week? how hard it was to work um, until I worked in a, on a pro football coaching staff and scouted and, and worked for these guys. I realized these guys are effing crazy. They work and work and work. They fly home from, you know, uh, a game, they don't go home and see their wife and kids. They go to the facility and watch film until their eyes, until they got to call their, you know, optometrist and, and change their, uh, um, you know, their prescription on their right. contacts yeah. or glasses. Well, it's not a healthy endeavor, whether to play it or coach it. It, it no. takes years off of lives. It truly yeah. does. So you don't want it. Like I want it. All right. Then you're right. <laughs> I'd like to see my wife and children. Yes. I do <laughs> want my family in my life. <laughs> Ricky Williams says the Cowboys did their big one against the Eagles. How do you guys view the matchup now with Dak and the defense uh, playing like crazy? The matchup with the Niners and the Cowboys or the Niners and the Eagles? Um, you know, I was looking at the playoff matchups right now. The Niners would be the one seed. The Cowboys, um, or I think the, the, the Eagles fall to the five seed. So, you know, there's a very good chance the Niners are going to get the Eagles. Um, if it, you know, unless Green Bay upsets Dallas and we're going to see Green Bay tonight and low Neal told me yesterday on the 95-7 pregame show that he thinks the Packers are coming and that they're a real sleeper team so wouldn't that be something if Green Bay knocked off Dallas and it was Niners Packers uh, at Levi's in that first playoff game we'll see we'll see 
Um, I'm not afraid of Dallas or Philly. I think the Niners are better than both those teams. They've routed both those teams. Yeah, Ricky, you're watching 49ers wake up, so obviously the two of us are probably going to come down, not because we're homers, but just because we've been paying attention to the 49ers. The real answer to your question, I think, you know, turn to Las Vegas. The 49ers would be favored against either of those teams. The 49ers are going to be favored in every game that they play between now and wherever their year ends, wherever their year ends. So... That's Who do you fear more between Dallas and Philly? Because I still feel fear Philly more. I know you. what we all saw last night was Dallas in their place sprinting past the Eagles. But um, the, the Cow- Cowboys can't stop the Niner run. The Cowboys can't run the ball against the Niners. And that's where football starts. And so I'll take Niners-Cowboys on the rematch uh, and feel just fine over another match with Hertz and the Eagles. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not you. Watching, I'm not watching the Eagles lose two games and doing a complete referendum. And what I felt about them going into the Niner game, they're a good football team. They'd have had two tough opponents and had two poor performances against tough opponents. I mean, they shot themselves with the, with their turnovers last night, where they have three turnovers, a fumble for Hertz, a fumble for, um, for, for uh, uh, Devante and a fumble for, AJ Brown too. So it was, it was a rough night for the Eagles, but they're still a good football team, but their defense doesn't scare me like it used to. I think that the Niners have shown you that they can exploit their defensive deficiencies. So CJ Gardner Johnson was a bad a, and they lost him in the off season and replaced him with what Lance Blankenship. Uh, you know that I think the Eagles on the back end or, you know, and by the way, how cutthroat is the NFL, the Niner Eagle game, they faked the halfback toss to CMC on the tunnel screen to Debo that went for six untouched late in that game. The linebacker who who fell for that play fake by CMC, Christian Ellis, cut three days later. Cut. Ouch. Patriots picked him up, but still, how ruthless is the NFL? You fall for a play fake and suddenly you're, you know, on the on the on the beach. Uh Japanese, the Japanese 49er fan. Uh, oh, that the Japanese 49er fan. How does Purdy how does Purdy deserve the MVP when he's playing with all pro running back Mitch Wisnowski? <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, um what kind of a, a, a career, you know, we we all love watching the odometer when it gets to a big milestone, right? Well, Christian McCaffrey has gone over 10,000 career yards from scrimmage right now with 153 yards from scrimmage. Sunday against the Seahawks, McCaffrey reached 10,000 yards for scrimmage from his career. In 88 career games, McCaffrey has now totaled 10,071 yards from scrimmage and 77 total touchdowns, making him the seventh player in NFL history to have 10,000 or more yards from scrimmage and 75 or more touchdowns in his first 90 career games. And here's the company he's keeping, Larry. It's literally the list of the greatest running backs in the history of the sport on the list that Christian McCaffrey has joined are hall of famers, Marcus Allen, Jim Brown, Eric Dickerson, Emmett Smith, LaDainian Tomlinson, and soon to be hall of famer, Adrian Peterson. So Christian McCaffrey's, you know, we, we had our, who's going to the hall of fame. If their careers ended today conversation on, on Friday, Trent is in. For sure. Christian McCaffrey is in for sure. I think George Kittle would be in for sure. And then on the other side of the ball, you have absolute Hall of Fame tracks. 
laid down by both Fred Warner and Nick Bosa. And Kyle Shanahan's a Super Bowl away from being on a Hall of Fame track himself. So And Lynch is already in. A lot of talent there. Yeah, and Lynch, he's got a jacket. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, This wasn't a Super, but I saved it because ER said, please cover why Shanahan did not use timeouts at the end of the first half. Could have gotten in field goal position. We kind of hit that. I mean, here's the thing. He's going to whip up a bullshit excuse to explain it away. And well, I don't or, really or maybe not. it won't be a bullshit excuse. Maybe it's it's his uh, thought of the tempo of the game. Maybe he had some some reason for it, but it did seem like an oversight. Here's the thing. it's There's not a lot of, hey, Kyle, no matter what you were thinking, you're probably wrong about that. Taking a short field with three timeouts with this offense and a kicker that can hit it from anywhere means you should you should you should always be playing to score as long as the game is happening. That's just me. That's. Well, and 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 my my uh, question I think would be along the lines of if you got into a game with I don't know Miami in like I don't know Las Vegas, would you do the same thing? You know what I mean? Because that's right. really the question. That's the pertinent question. Is like you know, yeah, you won the game, but what if you got in there into a fight with a a, a team that could really score points in bunches? Would you have taken a different approach there? And I'd love to hear his answer to that.